0: So, I just want to give God thanks. And so, Father God, as you held the loaves and the fishes from that boy in your hand, so inadequate, Lord, to do such a great deed. Father, here I hold myself. What you have downloaded in me and what I bring to the table, I give it to you, Lord. And I say, Father, Thank you, Lord. Lord, I put it in your hands and give thanks and say, Lord, have your way. Feed us, Father. We look to you, Lord. We want to be fed from your hand and your hand alone because we know it will be exceedingly above all that we could ever ask or see. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Morning again, everybody. You know, this, this month, Pastor Ava, the Lord downloaded in her. And she the, the theme for this month seemed to have been generosity. Because as I came on um from time to time, I wasn't there every week, but I realized that. It was something about generosity and it's five weeks in this month and the 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 the, the sermons that have gone before were generosity reveals the heart generosity reveals the heart there was worship results in generosity the third week was shared on thanksgiving results in generosity and The fourth week was generosity results in faith. This week, and I pray that we would have all, you know, those of us who heard and we still have the opportunity to listen, that we will really listen and hear what God is saying to us through these words, through the speakers. But today, the Lord wants us to to take some time to contemplate joy generates generosity that is what the lord laid upon pastor eva's heart to ask me to share on this morning and when she said it to me joy generates i said joy generates generosity Hmm. something came into my mind right away but interestingly when i really sat before the lord to hear what he had to say it was something a bit different that came, you know, where we are, um, the approach that he gave me this morning. So I'm praying that as we listen, whatever platform we're on, that our hearts will be tuned to the word and each of us will get what the Lord has for us to get. I am not gonna introduce my text yet. It will be introduced further down in in, in, in our sharing. But I want to give us an idea of what I believe the Lord wants us to get out at this start this morning. The goal is to see that a true encounter with Jesus, the joy giver, transforms the way we live and to give the way we live and give as his joy fills us. We feel compelled to give back without counting the cost. And that is what I hope we can get out of our sharing today. But I believe for us to get a real grip on what joy is, I want us to look on the definition of joy. But first, I think we ought to compare it with happiness because a lot of times I find that we confuse both. And they are also different words, happiness versus joy. And before I say anything else, I'm gonna ask Karen to just show a clip of something that I think we can we we can all relate to. Thank you, Karen. I'm sure we all can relate to that, and especially in this season. You know, I think those people were in such a jubilant mood. And I'm sure most of us, if not all of us at the time, and even in this time that has just passed, experienced that jubilance, that happiness. It was it was ecstatic, you know, those moments when we feel on top of the world and nothing could be better. And my defi- definition of happiness is a state of circumstance. Circumstance, yes, it's a state of circumstance. Why I say that? Because it is based on the circumstance that I express this emotion. I'm happy. Oh, I, I'm on top of the world. We find that it's achievable on earth. And it's not necessarily from the law, but I'm not saying it is not from the Lord either. But it's not necessarily from the Lord. Happiness, as you saw it there, it's an outward expression. Oh man, we, we do crazy things. We tear off our clothes, even. We go crazy. We pull our hair out, we dance, we sing. It is fleeting, it's temporary. Karen, could you share the other video, please? Brazil are being humiliated, humbled, and taken apart, and their supporters simply cannot believe what they have seen. We knew we could lose, but not for this my It was really we have no words for that. The worst thing I've ever seen. Like the national team is, that's a shame for us, you know? And yes, thanks Karen. As we feel the happiness, the circumstances change, then the sadness, the despair, and we feel as if, ah, oh, it's the end of the world, it couldn't be worse, as you hear the person's expressing. And we've all been there. We feel happy when we receive a gift, is honored, we pass an exam, we win a competition. And as I said, we have all had our feel of happiness recently as the Olympics unfolded. But we find that these tend to be superficial, just on the surface, the feeling won't last long, and soon we will be looking for something else. For example, more gifts, and may even start thinking why the gift wasn't bigger. We will be looking for greater honor so that we can feel that happiness again. We're always looking for the next thing to keep us happy. But as I said before, it is only fleeting and we find ourselves wanting to get more of it. And that is why, because it's only for a while We find that it tends to be addictive. We get into addictive behavior because we want to keep feeling happy. It's not sustained. It's only as a circumstance present themselves. Only when they win. When they don't win, uh, we're broken. And so many other things we can compare it to. Because it's external, it does not reach the heart. It has no stickability. Happiness can be related to the acts of sinful nature, like that mentioned in Galatians 5.19, sexual immorality, impurity, idolatry, hatred, jealousy, selfish ambition. We indulge in these things because it makes our flesh feel good, but it doesn't last. We do it for a while and we get gratification out of it. it doesn't last we want more and we want more but we are here to talk about joy today and my definition of joy is a state of the heart why do i say it's a state of the heart because i believe joy was founded in christ it comes from the lord galatians 5:22 says but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace Patience, etc. So it is God who gives joy. Joy is internal, it's selfless, it's sacrificial. Wow. Sounds contradictory. James 1, 2 to 4 says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Joy connects with meaning and purpose. When we look on Philippians 4.12, Paul says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. How can you relate joy to these situations? Joy, it says, endures hardship and trials. Hebrews 12 2 says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of, of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the, car, the cross, scorning his shame. Why? And because he had the vision of sitting down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's why we say it endures hardship and trials. That's why we say it has meaning and purpose, because even though we may be in situations where we feel, where the circumstance doesn't present happiness, it doesn't present something that I would feel good about, but I am still at a place where I am not in despair. Can we wrap it up with this verse to, to 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 um um conclude our thought about joy? Second Corinthians four eight. I'm just picking parts out of it. Where it says we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed; perplexed, but not in despair; persecuted, but not abandoned; struck down, but not destroyed. That is the kind of joy I'm talking about. And you may be wondering. she talking about somebody can be joyful talking about persecution distress and all of that yes that's the joy i'm talking about today it is an unselfish it is an emotion born of us out of unselfishness and it is also one that sacrifice, sacrifice must come. Whenever joy is felt, whenever deep joy is felt, there is usually a place where sacrifice, it's coming from sacrifice or it's from a place of unselfishness. I feel joy for my family and member or friend who gave birth who passed an exam won a competition became a christian it's not i who have benefited from this you know it's someone else yet i can be happy and sharing that person's joy as if it were my own that's coming from a deep and selfish place i come into god's presence to praise and adore him i put my personal needs and desires behind me to sleep later or to do other things first because I want to put the Lord first over my own selfish desires to come and worship before him, before I start anything else. If we look at it, joy comes as we give ourselves to others. But I would dare say it is not, it is not a normal human instinct. It's normal to be selfish and to look out for ourselves. It, And that's our natural human instinct. We self-protect. Who is going to look out for me, we would say, if I don't do it for myself? Who is going to give me, guide me, cover me, care for me, buck me? I don't have any time for anybody else because I have to concentrate on me. That's what we say when we are joyless, Believe it or not. And that takes us to our text. Luke 19, 1 to 9. Karen, could you put it up? Could we, I would love if we could, wherever you're reading it from, if you could follow with me in your Bibles. Luke 19, to 9. Our lesson for today. Could you put it up, please, Karen? and please let us follow along so I'm going to read it directly and then we'll we'll go down Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy he wanted to see Jesus He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree, a a sycamore fig tree, to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. He has got to be guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to him, Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. This passage has tons of lessons, but the one I believe the Lord wants me to look at today. This is what I believe we are to look at today. The Lord wants us to look on the fact that joy comes through pursuit of Jesus. Secondly, that Jesus brings joy the gift, he gives us the gift of joy. And thirdly, when we receive the gift of joy, we can't help but to be generous. So we get back to our story of Zacchaeus. But first, before we get into the story, I want us to understand who Zacchaeus really was. The word says, And was wealthy verse 2, a chief tax collector and was wealthy. What does a chief tax collector who is wealthy in those days, what is his lifestyle like? And why was he, why was he a chief tax collector? And I'm going to just read to you quickly and I'd like you to listen carefully because it sets the background of what we're looking at. I'm I'm reading a quote from a Redeemer Presbyterian Church study guide on generosity. And I quote, tax collectors like Zacchaeus were collaborators with the Roman occupying forces. Rome conquered Judea. And as a way of keeping their colonies weak and economically dependent, they levied crippling taxes. A Jew, now, like Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector, was in the same position as the French who cooperated with the Nazis when they took over France during World War II. Put that into perspective. They were despised as traitors. Any Jew who became a tax collector was selling his soul for money. That Jew was in effect saying, I want to be rich, even if it alienates me from my people and community. And recall, the traditional values of family and community were prized above all other cultural values at that point in Jewish history. So this is how they got rich. I would imagine they are working for the Romans, so they would receive a salary perhaps be paid a commission to. So the more they collect, the more they receive. The source also shared that tax collectors often dealt unscrupulously with taxpayers, collecting considerably more than was required and keeping the difference. So they had motivation to do it and they had the power. So it was all about their conscience. Unquote, when I said difference, this is me now. It was all about the conscience. So we looked at that, and I'm bringing up my first point. Zacchaeus pursued Jesus. Much like the woman with the issue of blood, I'm sure many of us would not have seen this before. Imagine the scene. Excitement. The man Jesus, the great sensation of the day is passing this way, pure excitement. Just imagine the crowd and the frenzy. Everybody hearing about this Jesus and today he's passing this way. Everybody wants to know who this Jesus is. But remember the picture I painted of Zacchaeus, who he is. He is a big man in his time, important, despised, yes, but because of his power, people have to show him respect, yeah, this is not necessarily respect earned, and most times, because we're so big, nobody else matters to us, so all the excitement, everybody here, rich and poor, everybody I like here about this Jesus, so Zacchaeus, I'm saying Zacchaeus could have ignored the hype, thinking that he, Jesus, was not more important, was not important enough for him to join the excitement. Who is this Jesus? (laughs) I'm bigger than that. I don't need to know him. I'm thinking. He just should be looking out for me. Not me looking out for him. But something yearned. Something in him yearned for the Savior. He realized that what he had was not enough. Remember, this man was the rich he had power under his belt he could get any amount of money he wanted it what he had was not enough it brought him happiness yes because it fulfilled his temporary pleasures but it could not fill the void obviously there was something he must have heard of some of the things jesus did for him to want to seek him out And he would have realized that Jesus has something he didn't. Even though Zacchaeus thought he had it all. He's not so sure sure enough. But there is something that he wants, that I think I need to find out who this Jesus is. What's the whole hype about? Does he have something else that I could get? So what did he do? Zacchaeus was faced with a dilemma. He was faced with a situation, a challenge. He needed to see this man, but the crowd, these are the challenges, the crowd and his stature presented a problem. In addition, because of his stature, he could have been a prime victim to be trampled by the crowd. Think about that. And not only that, because of his status, it could have been a prime opportunity to mob him. Huh? Great opportunity. Catch the little shot, wicked man, and just get rid of him in the crowd. How many people would want to get their hands on him? So with all those challenges, Zacchaeus insisted he must see Jesus and must see this man. What happened then? He got desperate. If you really want to get something and you see so many things, you know, so many factors working against you, desperation comes. But if we are desperate enough, we usually get around to devising a plan. What was Zacchaeus' plan? He had to make a strategic move that would eliminate or lessen the challenges that he faced. So he climbed a tree. No one else did that, have you ever considered that? No one else climbed a tree, everybody else was clamoring in the crowd, trying to get to the front of the crowd. That action set Zacchaeus apart. I want you to consider something else. Isn't he much like the woman with the issue of blood pushing through the crowd? Think about it. When Jesus said, who touched me? And the disciples seemed to be ridiculing him. But Jesus knew what he meant. Jesus was in fact saying, who is pursuing me? Listen to this. It's the same with Zacchaeus, I believe. Because, Look at verse 5, what verse said, Verse 5 says. When Jesus reached this spot, he looked up. When he reached this spot, he looked up. Just put yourself in this situation, in the crowd. Everybody clamoring, the noise, the excitement, everything. And everybody trying to get to the front. And Jesus is there, walking ahead. And He reaches this tree that nobody's paying attention to. But God knows that somebody is up there pursuing him. When he reached this spot, that's what the word says. When Jesus reached this spot, he looked up to him and said, Oh my God. Jesus knows and says, um, verse 5. Zacchaeus, come down immediately. That tells me that Jesus knows when we are in pursuit, and guess what? He will meet us. The word says, if we seek him with our, all our hearts, we will find him. So Everybody else was thinking something negative about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was pursuing Jesus. Probably more than everybody else in the crowd. Let's get back to the story. Jesus invited himself to Zacchaeus' house. Something that stunned the crowd. Something because in that culture, eating in someone's home was a sign of affirmation and commitment. It is saying, I support this person. They speak my language, you know? So can you imagine how baffled the crowd was? The crowd could not understand why Jesus would eat with a man who had not repented and considered a despicable person. But my brothers and sisters, isn't that what Jesus has done? He died on the cross in order to give us salvation. We did not ask him. He voluntarily did it at his father's wish for the sake of you and me. He made the first move he committed. He affirmed us as his own. He came knocking and still knocks today, even this very minute, on your heart and life. And it is for us to decide whether we will entertain him or not. In Zacchaeus' case, he accepted the invitation for Jesus to come in. He said, yes, Lord, come to my house. What happens when Jesus went to his house? Jesus brings joy, point two. Zacchaeus invited Jesus in, and let's see what happened when he did. Zacchaeus welcomed the Lord. He accepted the invitation. Verse 6 tells us clearly. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And immediately, what happened to him? Zacchaeus was transformed. How do we know that? Look at verse 8. Look, Lord right away he he said look lord jesus wasn't his lord all along jesus became his lord he invited him in so he was able to say look lord now that jesus has become his lord look at what he says here and now i give half of my positions to the poor And just in case I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Brethren, lots of lessons here, but let's pull out two quickly. One, Zacchaeus said yes to Jesus. Jesus' presence so filled him with joy, he had to drop everything that was taking up his space in his life. What was that? Greed. Money. Selfishness. You see, Jesus's presence brought joy to Zacchaeus. Christ's presence makes the difference. The moment Zacchaeus realized that Jesus was showing him this unmerited grace, joy hits him. And he responded to that joy by giving back immediately. But how did he get there? He first came face to face, with that which hindered the joy in his life. That which he used to go after that made him happy and feel good. The fleeting, temporary, selfish pursuits, the greed, the money, the the putting people down, whatever it took just to make him feel good and to you know, to get all the tem- the temporal things that he could find in life that he felt would make him happy, he came face to face with that in the light of Christ's love for him. And how did he respond? He threw it off. He emptied his soul case of the junk of selfishness and greed and embraced Christ. He could not have embraced Christ if he wasn't ready to give up all of that. But he gave, he gave up all the stuff that he had and received Christ's joy. He didn't just give back though. It's amazing how the Lord works. He gave more than expected, exceeding abundantly above In Old Testament time, the most severe penalty for fraudulent crimes was repayment of four times the stolen amounts. Zacchaeus voluntarily applied the most severe penalty to himself. How did we define joy again? It comes from the Lord, selfless and sacrificial, connects with meaning and purpose. Now, the, 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 the next part of, of the title of messages speaks to joy promotes generosity. Let us quickly look at what generosity means. Generosity is willingness to give more of something than is strictly necessary or expected. Isn't that what we saw happen to our boy Zacchaeus? He readily gave More than was expected of him. Because the joy hit him. (laughs) Something that I must pull out of this. We need to realize how much Jesus loves us. No sin is greater than the other. No sin is greater than the other. And by extension, no sinner is better or greater than the other. The other. His love is equal. Have you ever wondered why Jesus chose Zacchaeus out of the throng of people around him? Listen, my brethren, listen, this is a key point that the Lord showed me. Here were people in the front of the crowd hoping to get some attention, people who were in need. The very people who were suffering because this man, Zacchaeus, victimized them, making them unable to buy food, making them unable to afford health care, making them unable to look after their families, and you name it, this man, Zacchaeus, remember God cares for all of us. We've been seeing it all morning. But God took Zacchaeus out of the crowd. Here is Jesus, the one who brings hope, healing, and salvation. And all he sees is this rich thief that everyone despises. Oh, come, why? Why? Why wouldn't God heal some of the people who are in front of him? Why wouldn't he do good to those hurting people that we see, you know, with our eyes? If we follow our Lord's journey well on this earth, this was his modus operandi. This is how he rolls. But seriously, have you ever given it thought? Listen to this and consider how strategic our Lord is. Zacchaeus touched most, if not all, the persons in the crowd that were following after Jesus. Many of them perhaps did not have a meal on the table because of the actions of Zacchaeus. Many harbored serious hatred towards this man, enough to do him harm and by extension get themselves into serious trouble. So what did our savior of the world do? He saved the man that had the most impact. In saving Zacchaeus and giving him the joy of the Lord, many will receive justice. Many will get back what was stolen from them and be in a position to eat and help themselves. Because of his popularity, His change of heart and life will be a constant testament to many drawing others to Christ. It will have impact on his employers. He may resign and say why he has done so. Consider this, Zacchaeus could have been a high achiever, earner in the business. And to see him put this down for the sake of this man, Jesus, could be a powerful testament to leading his employers to contemplate and even accept the Lord. Then his fellow Jews would see him daily living the opposite of who he was, a living testament to the saving grace of Jesus. And as a result, many would follow Christ. How call about our Lord being strategic? I'm telling you. And I'll pause here a minute. Think about our situations. A lot of times you say, God, why you never let this happen now? Why you cause this not to be so? Why, Lord, not at this time when I feel like I'm at my breaking point? Why, Lord, why? Can we trust our Savior that he's a greatest strategist and that he knows best and that he's putting all the elements (laughs) into place? First, second, third, fourth, fifth. And just trust him. Can we trust our Savior? It's repleted the word, how he works strategically. It's never as we think it should be. But can we trust God? You know, my mother always says this, we cannot, Lord, thy purpose see, but all is well that's done by thee. Can we get there? As believers, Jesus continues to strategize for you and me today. The invitation has been put out and he's waiting for us to say yes. He's talking to us as believers who have already invited Jesus into our homes, as it were, into our lives. And we have received the salvation he gives. Are you experiencing this joy and generosity of heart? in your daily walk and I'm speaking to me too. Was it like that in the beginning, like Zacchaeus, but not so much anymore, where you're so excited and you were just bubbling over with the joy and just giving of yourself to others. Through as the Lord led. Let's use this word to check ourselves. Check if there are things occupying space in our soul case that should not be there. Remember when Zacchaeus got the joy, he started pulling out the things that never mattered. And those things, God used them Great strategies used them for his advantage. The very things, the very things that were negative, the very things that were hindering, he turned them into opportunities. Sisters and brothers, let's check ourselves in the light of Christ's love for us. Repent if we must. Refocus on our joy. on our joy giver and our purpose and take hold of this joy that he has for us. I have a word for those of us who are listening who are still in the tree, as it were, or in the crowd. Like Zacchaeus, you might not be so certain who this Jesus is. But you have heard of him. Not so sure, but I've heard of him. And you might also have seen and witnessed the lives, the the lives of those who say they know him. You may be impressed or maybe not. I mean, it's not lost on us. A lot of us realize that a lot of us who Say we are Christians. We do not bring a lot of glory to our Lord because of the lives we live. But each person is responsible and answerable to Christ. Cannot say because the other one is not doing it, then I'm exempt. No, we are all responsible for ourselves. So you may be impressed or you may be not. Doesn't exempt you from facing the reality of the decision. You may not be certain if this Jesus can help you, but you might be curious today. Zacchaeus experienced happiness when his selfishness. He could amass, when in his selfishness, he could amass and count his riches, being able to purchase anything he desired to make himself feel good. But somehow he still wanted to know who this Jesus is. The happiness he experienced was not sufficient because as much as his greed was his God, something was missing was the savior, this healer, this do-gooder. If you see yourself in Zacchaeus's place today and you are happen to be listening, I want to tell you that you are qualified for an invitation from Jesus. He has already made the way. Jesus made the first move because he loves you and knows that you will need him. He knows you will need salvation. Jesus died for your sins because he loves you. Friends, it's an open invitation to let him into your home, to let him into your heart. If you do, Like Zacchaeus, you will experience not just happiness, but joy so deep, it will transform your mind and spirit. Not only will you receive salvation, but you will receive the joy that salvation brings. That of generosity of spirit. Giving up what takes up the space in your lives so that God can turn it into something to bless others. It will no longer be directed to at you, but outward to others. Friends, joy generates generosity because Jesus alone gives joy. The real joy comes from Jesus alone. I invite you this morning, this day, it's afternoon now, nearly one o'clock. Take hold of Jesus. Take hold of him. If you feel him knocking, if he's looking up in your tree and saying, come down, do not. I pray, I beg you, do not let this invitation pass. You may never get another opportunity. Just think of the crowd. Think of the whole world that's pressing against him. And he stopped for a moment. That's what he's doing now. If you hear and feel the tug on your heart, do not turn away. It may be the only and last opportunity you get. Do not turn away. Make that choice. Make the right choice today. Take hold of this joy. You will never regret it. And I want to invite you today to if you say yes to this lord to jesus christ the holy spirit is tugging on your heart at this moment i'm inviting you to pray this prayer with me and 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 brethren, I prayed this morning and not me alone. So many persons have been praying. My prayer was, Lord, let this word touch one heart. Let one person say yes to you today. Let one person find the joy of the Lord today. And it just could be you. This whole platform, this whole service today could just be for you. Do not let the opportunity pass. Will you say this prayer with me? I'll say the words and you say it and mean it back to your Lord. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Amen.